0: So money, I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. As part of my inaugural week of this podcast, I've got an incredible lineup of guests, the who's who of money. Today's guest is someone for whom I have tremendous respect and admiration. She is Jean Chatsky, the financial editor for NBC's Today Show, an award-winning personal finance journalist, and AARP's personal finance ambassador. Jean is also a best-selling author. Her most recent book is Operation Money, a free financial guide, yes, free, for military service members and families. Now, I've known Jean personally for over a decade, and... Quite shamelessly, I never took the opportunity to really ask her about her personal financial journey and the experiences that helped shape her mindset about money. Until now. In this next half hour, we'll learn about how Jean sets financial goals and how she achieves them, her six-word money mantra, and the job growing up that, get this, only paid her 25 cents an hour and so much more. Are you ready? I'm excited to bring you Jean Chatsky. this was the launch. I'm so excited. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. You know, I didn't mention this in the introduction, uh, but for a lot of people listening, uh, they may not know that 11 years ago, I was your assistant. (laughs) You know,
1: I think about, I mean, it's funny when when we have people in our orbit, they tend to cycle around again. But I have so enjoyed watching all that you've done and i take a um a little bit of of pride and ownership for um for your success
0: i hope that's so oh, well i was gonna say you beat me to it i want to attribute so much of my um of my growth in my career to having had the amazing opportunity to work for you and with you all those years ago because the one thing that you taught me and you continue to teach me and you continue to be a role model in this area for me and, and I know many others is that you really took journalism to an entrepreneurial level before anyone even realized you could do that and that you should do that. You know, that I graduated from Columbia Journalism School and then immediately started working for you. And I have to say, got so much more of an education in a, in a lot of Ways working with you that I never got in school, that, that you, the idea that you can actually, as a writer, as a journalist, you have an opportunity to engage in so many ways as um, as a storyteller. It's not just through print, but really you can do this through radio, through television, through writing books, through giving speeches, through a variety of ways. And it's um, for me, I you know I inherited that lesson working with you, and I know that, when times got tough and the economy got rough and I got laid off in 2009 I could fall back on these other sort of projects that I've been working on as a freelancer that I had my own ownership of and that was because I learned that from you truly. Thank you. So I'm so money because I worked with Gene Chatsky 11 years ago. (laughs) Well first I want to know what are you working on right now because you're working on so many things all the time this is 2015 i know you just launched recently a a free book for military families um share that with us
1: yeah i'm so excited about that actually i nbc published this book with the support of citibank it's called operation money it's actually the second ebook for military families that nbc has gotten behind it's a free download you can get it at operationmoneybook.com and I know a lot about personal finance. I did not, until I started doing this research, know a lot about the military. But military families are so different in their financial needs, their benefits, the way they live their lives, that putting together a a guidebook for them that goes through everything from saving to spending to debt and credit to protecting the ones they love – actually made a lot of sense. And there's some great video embedded in the book. So if you prefer to um, receive information in that way, it's it's there for you too. So I hope that people will just spread the word about that at
0: operationmoneybook.com. It's so important. What did you learn was uh, the, the most challenging um, and unique aspect of personal finance for military families?
1: They have to be so able to go with the flow. And I moved around a lot as a child. My, my father was a college professor and college professors move not as often as the military, but we moved fairly frequently. When you, when you pick up and you go to a new place, you have to adjust to a new cost of living, a new cost of housing. Um, there are moving costs involved. Your spouse may or may not be able to find a job. So all of a sudden, not only does the left side of your budget change, but the right side of your budget changes. And you've gotta be able to adjust to both very, very quickly because these moves happen at the drop of a hat. And that's the thing that um, I think throws many military families for a loop. And if they can figure out how to live on the one salary of the military member, and and almost bank the salary of the the non-military spouse. The way that we teach people who are pregnant to bank the salary of the person who thinks they might want to step out of the workforce, it, it's really really helpful.
0: Awesome and so wonderful that the book is free. What's been the reaction? Um, it's been great.
1: It's been uh, we've gotten a ton of downloads and, and we've been high on the charts at Amazon, which makes everybody happy. Um and I've heard from a lot of, of um military families that this is the first time that they've seen this information in one place. So that was the goal which which makes me um happy that we've been helpful.
0: Absolutely. Congratulations. It's such an amazing and important piece of work. And we'll be able to, we'll be, we'll be sure to put the link on the website. Thanks. Yeah. So it's the new year, Jean. Do you set financial resolutions for yourself? I set savings goals. I, I don't,
1: um, I don't necessarily set financial resolutions, but I do have um, a number of roadmaps that I'm trying to follow, whether um, their retirement goals or college savings goals. My my youngest is heading off to college um, in in the fall, so um, funding that has been on my plate for a while. So I I tend to um, I tend to approach it that way. I, I when I have resolutions, they they are often things that are more associated with exercise, more associated with um, other parts of my life. And I, I think that's just because I work in this every day.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the word resolution, there's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, resolution,
1: budget, however, diet, all of those words, however you want to sort of look at it, There, there, there is a lot of pressure. And making a change, which is what a resolution asks us to do, is, is really hard, and we, I think when we're approaching a time of trying to make a change in our lives, need to acknowledge how hard it is, and that um, any sort of assistance we can give ourselves in making that change is is um, is, is value added and, and can help us along to
0: success. All right, let's talk philosophy. I think, um, you know, for me, I have a few running for- financial philosophies at any given moment that help steer my money in the right direction and make healthy choices. What would be one, um, defining financial philosophy that you, uh, that you practice, whether it's daily or once in a while, but it's your personal financial philosophy.
1: So the one I've been hanging on to most recently is that hope is not an investment strategy. Um, there's a guy named Larry Smith. He's my cousin, actually. He publishes six-word memoirs, and um, and he is recent. He was recently compiling his book of of six words of advice, and he asked me for a six-worder, and that's the one that I gave him. It's one of my money rules, but it, it's a guiding principle in that hope really only gets you so far, and then you have to do something, and and you can just do one thing, but it's the action that really moves everything forward.
0: Yeah, well, what's your take on um, the value in things like, well, there's visualization, there's hoping, there's expressing, there's telling people and sharing people what your goals are. And that's all I think really important in, in terms of the journey to get to your goal, but it's not the only variable. And sometimes people rely just on that, right? Yeah, I I mean, visualization, I think, is really helpful because when we're
1: thinking so far down the road, if it's just a squishy goal, then it's not enough to really want it. You know, if, if you know, for me... Um, the the reminder that I rely on is this picture of a house on the bay in in Long Beach Island New Jersey and um, I you know I, I want to be on the bay at some point in my life I have a picture of a house that I love whether or not we buy that particular house doesn't really matter it just has to be on the bay but I, I you know I, I follow these things I know how much houses on the bay actually cost i I subscribe to real estate listings that let me know when they go on the market I'm I'm certainly not ready to bite the bullet yet but I um I do a number of things to make it um real for me because when I think about a thing that I'm actually aiming for that's the thing that has stuck with me Mm. so I think that that can be helpful but I'm you know I'm you know me well enough to know that I'm not a very sort of woo -woo out there person (laughs) um I'm a little bit more tangibly oriented than
0: that, and I can relate. And sometimes people tell me you need to be more woo woo, Fardouche, because that's what people want. And I'm like, but woo woo doesn't. I'm I'm very my my dad's a PhD. Like we we came from we were raised in a very practical academic environment, and I and the proof is in, has to be in the pudding. You know, like I have yep. to see the results in order to believe it and um but yeah along the way you know if you want to light candles you know go for it but that is not ultimately what's gonna um, materialize into money for you okay i love that hope is not an investment strategy take us back jean i want to learn a little bit more about your background maybe a little bit about your childhood what is one outstanding money memory that you have that uh that you could say you know this really helped shape or influence the way that I think about money today?
1: So the first time I babysat, I was 11 years old and I earned a quarter for an hour, <laughs> which tells you something about how old I am, oh right? My gosh. Um,
0: a quarter. Certainly and this I, was not in New York City.
1: This was not in New York City. This was in... Um, Bloomington, Indiana, where we were living at the time. It was for a neighbor who was not at all convinced that an 11-year-old could be a babysitter. And so the reason that I only earned a quarter, because I think rates were about double that at that point, was because she didn't leave the house. Um, I was allowed to babysit, but she still was there. And uh, and I I it was the first time that I had earned any money, I think, outside of money that I earned for doing things for my parents and um, outside of money that I earned um, or that I got for my allowance. And I I remember um, earning money was important to me, still is important to me, um, all the way through my childhood. I worked throughout high school. um, I worked throughout college. And I, I was fortunate enough to have parents who, who, um, who put me through college, but the deal was that the extras, um, were on me and on my brothers. And so we worked for that money and I, I, I've watched, I, I think that, that these days often that's a lesson that we don't, um, pass along early enough to our kids that that the money that they earn is so much more valuable than the money that we give them. I've watched both of my kids experience that on on their own and um and this this uh the importance of working for what you want and what you have is is um, is something that just has stuck with me through my whole life.
0: You know how much rates are these days for babysitters it's like oh, 20. it's like I mean I babysat in New York City when I was um in my 20s trying to, you know, make a little bit of extra money on the side. And I, it was the best job. I got $20 an hour. Wow. Two kids. um, But they were both pretty much asleep by the time I arrived. Dinner and a cab ride home.
1: That is, that is pretty good. Yeah, I I don't really, kids can earn so much money babysitting now that I don't know why they would work (laughs) in, in in a store or a place that would, you know, take out taxes, quite frankly.
0: Right, right. Okay. Failure. Jean, this is the part of the show where I like to ask my guests to be candid and honest about a financial fail. Hashtag fail. So um, please indulge us because we've all made mistakes. And it's also fun to hear from a financial pro that, you know what, I can make mistakes too. And and so share um, a failure with us. Um, It could be recent. It could have been years and years ago. But um, there are so you many. Learned. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just one. Just um, one. I am, um, okay,
1: a couple, I guess. I mean, I had a, a huge amount of credit card debt um, compared to my salary uh, right after I got out of college. I, I just was not paying attention um, and uh, racked up about a half year's salary in credit card debt before I got my act together. Um, I made the classic. Four hundred one k mistake. When I left my first job, I, I um, uh, they sent me a check. I cashed it. I went shopping. I was um, thrilled, quite frankly, <laughs> until I got the tax bill. Um, more recently, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm doing this interview with you from home, and uh, I bought my house. Um, I was getting divorced at the time and I bought my house in May of 2005, which if not, the, it, it might have been the week that the market hit its high and I definitely paid too much for it. I don't know that I'll ever get the money that I put into this house out of it. Um, I, I have a harder time sort of qualifying that as a mistake because I love my house and I've gotten a lot of enjoyment out of it, but it certainly was not a great investment.
0: Mm Wow. Yeah. 2005. Yeah, that's that's tough. That's really tough. But to look at a home as an investment is sometimes not the best way to look at things. Right. It's, Especially now. I keep telling myself that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and um, you have plans to you can make the payments. You know, you're you're enjoying the home. That's what's important.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, there's no there's no need to sell it anytime soon. So it's all good.
0: Until you get that house on the bay. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So money moments. This is the part of the interview where I like to ask about, let's flip it. Let's talk about something that you're really proud of, um, of you know, an experience that um, you worked hard to achieve that uh, you'd like to share. Um, so personal? Personal. Uh,
1: you know, I talked a little bit earlier about saving goals and after I got divorced I really started saving like a crazy person um, and I think it was because it was what made me feel safe and so as, as anybody who's gone through a divorce um, can can uh, attest to you, you really take a step back financially it's, it's, it's hard not to um, but coming through the experience and realizing that I'm, I'm on track to meet my savings goals for college, for my kids, for retirement, for me, um, because of the, the hard work that I did in those early years catching up, um, I, I'm proud of that. And, and, um, and just of the focus on saving at that point in my life, I think it was absolutely the right thing to do.
0: What would be your advice for someone who is anticipating a divorce? particularly women, um, they, you know, they, they think it's coming, they, they, or they want to ask for a divorce. What, what's your biggest financial advice tip for them in order to protect themselves as best they can during the whole process? Um, know the numbers,
1: right? The numbers at this point, although, you know, the numbers can be daunting and frightening and there are a lot of them when you have to look at different statements and roadmaps, they are, they are your friend. Um, you want to know where everything is, and you want to know um, what is growing and what's not growing and what's likely to grow in the future. And understanding your financial life is is more key at this point than, than it's ever been before.
0: Hmm. You're so money ritual, Jean. This is uh, a question that I like to ask because, you know, as we know, financial habits um need to be conscious and they really are what help to you know create uh, financial freedom for many many of us getting into good habits what's one financial habit or so money ritual that you do that's um that that really helps you keep your money where it needs to be so i don't know if it's
1: necessarily a ritual but Many years ago, um, when I was at Money Magazine, I I wrote a book called The Ten Commandments of Financial Happiness. And it um, was based on a piece of research um, that I did with the folks at Money, a big study of 5,000 Americans that um, uh, Roper did the the research for us. And, And we looked at Control and and figured out that it wasn't it wasn't so much the amount of money that you had that made people happy. Um, at that point, the the bar in the sand across the country for financial happiness was about sixty five thousand dollars. Now, um, a couple of years ago, um, uh, Daniel Kahneman put it at seventy five thousand dollars. I, I feel you know gratified to even be in the same ballpark with him, but. Um, we did note that people who had more control over whatever money they had were significantly happier. And one of the things that made people happy or or one of the, the habits that people who were happier actually said they had was that they paid their bills when they came in. And I started doing that when I got the finding and I continue to do it to this day, it's one of the things um, that has been made much, much easier by online banking. I, I get a bill. I still get my bills in the mail. Um, I open it. I sign on. I pay it, you know, 30 seconds, and it's done.
0: So you do you actually automate much of your financial uh, life? Or is I automate it... a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I,
1: I automate, um, you know, I don't get... Um, many statements these days. I, I've I've um, elected to receive a lot of them electronically. I don't um, I don't receive bills online. In many cases, I still like to have the paper copies. Um, although you know, I I I think that I'm probably nearing the end of, of that um, <laughs> of that part of the ritual. But yeah, I I, um, I, I pay everything online.
0: That's really, really important to do. And and the other thing that I think the benefit to doing that is sometimes when you pay your bills as they're rolling in, as opposed to at the end of the month, once a month, um, it helps your credit score. Yeah,
1: it helps your credit score. It also helps you um, in that you can be a little more flexible. So if you see that you got, you know, we're entering the high home heating um, season, So if you see you got a heating bill that's a lot higher than you thought it was going to be, you will adapt through the rest of the month. You'll just automatically spend a little less on other things because you have the information that you already spent a little more on your heating bill. Um, So you won't dig yourself into as, as deep a hole.
0: Right. And it's not just this one time a month. It's like this big defining moment that could be disastrous. Exactly. All right. So this is the end of the interview and, um, I like to end on a fun note. So I'm going to do what I call so many fill in the blanks, where I start a sentence and you finish it. And whatever the first thing is that comes to your mind, just say it. Okay. So if I won the lottery tomorrow, say $100 bucks, I would – Buy a house on the bay. Yes. With <laughs> with lots of money left over, I would imagine. A lot of, le- a lot of money <laughs> left over. The one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? Blowouts. Hair blowouts. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I don't go all that often, but it, when I do, it just makes my life easier for the next five days. So it's an indulgence. It
0: is. It is. All right. My biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot on, probably too much, is.
1: Well, I guess it would probably be the same thing. <laughs> Although, you know, it may also be Peapod. I, I I, don't know that Peapod is a guilty pleasure, but um, boy, it makes my life a lot easier.
0: Yeah. Mine is seamless.com, which is, yeah. uh, I don't know if it's national, but it's. Um, It is a dangerous website where basically it's like Uber where you put in your credit card information once and then you are set to order and they bring the food to your house from any restaurant. The tips included, the charges, everything. Um, And you never probably see the bill, which is really dangerous.
1: I will check that one out.
0: Yeah. Um, Apologies in advance. (laughs) One thing I wish I'd known about money growing up is... Um, to ask more than 25 cents an hour <laughs>
1: exactly I uh, think I wish I'd known about money growing up is I,
0: I wish I'd known more about investing in stocks earlier mm-hmm. and how do you invest now, Gene? Is it mostly just through your portfolio? Like you're not day trading or? Any- oh God, no! Yeah, yeah. You're just no, no, no.
1: Bo- you know, for me, boring is really better. Um, I'm, i low cost, low fee, low transaction. I, I, um, and I, and I do have a financial advisor who I rely on for, um, you know, overarching. Um, overarching advice, because I think even people like us, you know, we wouldn't be our own doctors. Having somebody else look at it is really valuable.
0: I agree. I agree. I have a financial advisor too, and yeah, she helps with the estate planning, overarching decisions. Just mm-hmm. keeps. And what I love is that she coordinates uh, appointments between me and her and my my, hus- my husband. So cause neither one of us really wants to, you know, schedule this on our own. She drives that ship, and it's really helpful. When I donate money, I like to give to blank because?
1: I like to give to the Children's Heart Fund um, because um, my son was born with a congenital heart defect. And um, we still need a lot of research in that area. And And Mm -hmm. I like to give to the University of Pennsylvania because I'm really grateful for all that I learned. there.
0: Yes. And you have an, um, don't you also have a sort of scholarship there or a program?
1: We have a, a program, um, called the Nora Magid Mentorship Prize, where, uh, we, uh, help kids who are, uh, interested in getting into journalism. They're not, not enough of them at Penn, but help them find jobs, which is what this woman, this professor, Nora Magid did for all of us.
0: Amazing. And finally, I'm so money. I'm Jean Chatsky. I'm so money because I walk the talk. You do. And we love hearing you and and seeing you. And thank you so much for being on my inaugural podcast. (laughs) I'm very, very fortunate. And tell us where we can learn more about you and follow you. Um, You can
1: follow me at Jean Chatsky. And learn more at jeanchatsky.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Jean. Happy New Year to you and your family. To you, too. Again, Jean's latest book, Operation Money, is a free financial guide for military service members and families. It's available at operationmoneybook.com. And don't forget to visit So Money Podcast for the transcript, comments, resources, and links mentioned in this episode. And of course, I want to hear from you. Please submit your question about money, work, life, guests at somoneypodcast.com. And there's a very good chance that I'm going to answer it this coming weekend. I'm serious. And I love your shout outs, keep them coming. Tweet me at Farnoosh using the hashtag So Money. On the next episode, we have serial entrepreneur podcast host and best-selling author James Altucher. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Farnish Tarabi. Hope your day is so money.